Hello everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Streaming Science. Streaming Science is a multimedia, student-driven science literacy program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We work to connect you with scientific concepts that can enrich your everyday life. I am your host, Hallie Ramsey, a junior agricultural and environmental sciences communication major, and I'm so excited to be able to share my conversations with you. Our guest speaker is Lisa Leitner, whose expertise comes in the form of science communication. While many of you may not consider communication as a science, it is absolutely a vital component to increase science literacy. I obviously was really excited to get Lisa's insight on how to become a better communicator. Her tips outline awesome techniques for her job, which can easily be applied to your next research paper or presentation. You were also able to discuss the importance of science communication and how, more than ever, it is absolutely essential for all people to be science literate. Make sure you have a pen and paper ready. Lisa, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so before, uh, to get this started, can you give us a brief overview of the function of the Quantitative Life Sciences Initiative and then also uh, what your specific role within this initiative is? Sure. So um, QLSI is basically, it's a faculty-led initiative um, and our, our website will tell you to develop research and educational opportunities in data science for the life sciences. And so basically what that means is we facilitate, I guess you could say, um, data-related, um, mainly in agriculture and then in biological sciences, um, things like, like I mentioned before, we had a symposium recently, mm -hmm. conferences, we bring in speakers, uh, just a variety of areas. But basically we are here to kind of get everybody together, get them on the same page, um, and getting them to share their data and their results and whatnot. Um, and my position is actually a business associate, so I handle a lot of the details, a lot of the logistics, you know, basically an administrative assistant, so um, travel and whatnot. Um, I do a lot of other fun things too. Some of my favorite, my favorite parts actually are the social media and so, for example, one of, one of the main things that I do is promote. So we have a, an electronic newsletter, um, and I tweet. We have a Twitter account. Um, and so I just keep track of everything that's going on and promote it out along with my other duties. And I just really enjoy it. Can you tell us a little bit about your previous experience and what ultimately led you to QLSI? Sure. Um, so in my previous life, um, I was... Um, a research technologist actually in the food science department. Um, I have a, a two-year degree in environmental technology from Southeast Community College and that basically enabled me to work in labs. Um, like I said, I worked in food science lab. I did, you know, food science testing. Also, um, when I was going to school, I worked in the soil lab. Um, there's a soil lab in town in the federal building. Um, and so I did that for about 10 years and realized that Oddly enough, the part that I liked the most was something called SOPs, Standard Operating Procedures. So pretty much everything you do in a lab needs to be reproducible. Somebody else needs to be able to come along and, and run the same test and basically get the same results. And so I wrote a lot of those, and I really liked that. <laughs> so I'm kind of nerdy that way. but um, And so I um, decided to turn to journalism because um, as I always like to say I'm not a data scientist I just play one on Twitter 
So while a lot of that stuff is over my head, I can still, I can still um, disseminate it and, you know, and I can explain it in a way that the average person's going to understand. So that was the big thing. And I decided that journalism would let me go into any number of areas. Do you think that having that science background through your education has really helped you in this role? Yes, definitely I do. Um, because I have a, you know, a, a general understanding of science, having actually, you know, a, for example, like the research part of it. Basically, the university is all about research. So I understand that part of it, and I understand what it takes to do that research. I mean, you actually have to do testing and analyzing and, you know, getting your results. And so, um, yeah, I think it played a, a big part in my comfort level in this position. So uh, I know we've talked a lot about, about, uh, about the process of getting that information out uh, to the general public. Uh, but why are you so passionate about science communication and why should everyone be uh, aware of the projects going on at QLSI? Well, um, that's a really good question. Um, so really, um, when, you, when you talk about data and research in general, research is basically a bunch of data and it, it really applies to every area of life. Our focus is agriculture and that impacts everyone. We need to be able to, you know, our population is increasing. We're going to be able, we're going to need to be able to feed those people, and so that's important to everybody. Everybody needs food, so research on agriculture is huge right now, the data and whatnot. Um, and you know, another thing that comes to mind is medical with the bio, the the life sciences. I mean, that's huge too. People, everybody is going to need some kind of medical help at some point, so. It's important in, in all areas of life. And as you talk about the data that's being collected, uh, I know that in my podcasting class when we first heard that we were doing these big data projects, it, it can sound intimidating, especially to those that aren't in that sector of research. So how do you explain what big data is to those that aren't directly involved? Well, um, actually, it's, it, it's funny that, that you asked that question because it did actually take me a while to learn. And, um, and to be honest, I learned a lot of it off of Twitter. When you start following accounts and you start uh, really being able to understand what it's all about. So big data is, is a term that, um, it's been around since about the 90s. So basically what happened was, you, you'll hear the term Internet of Things, IoT they call it. And so in the 90s and then by 2000, you know, we're technology is advancing. So we have all these connected devices. So that's kind of where the term big data came in. Um, because again, it's, and it's connecting, it basically, it just means massive amounts of data that we're collecting. And I mean, you know, from your mobile devices, cars, appliances, like I said, agriculture, the farm equipment, all that. And so that's basically what it is in a nutshell. It's just a lot of data. And of course, that uh, the other thing that goes into that too is, you know, you, you'll hear about cleaning data and um, analyzing data, storing data. It's all kind of combined in there. But the main thing is we went from, most people can understand like megabytes and gigabytes, you know, because we use those on our USBs. I mean, our, our brains can comprehend, okay, there's this much space, you know, for this much data. 
So we started out talking about mega and gigabytes, and now we're literally up to, we went through petabytes, now we're exabytes, zigabytes. I mean, it just keeps going on. So it's just a lot of data. How do these big data projects end up like influencing, or how do you communicate the influence that these big data projects will have on uh, maybe like those who aren't involved in the research again, or who might not be even involved in the agriculture industry? Right. Well, actually, um, people, you really don't even necessarily have to understand just knowing that um, Everything that you do, basically everything that we do on a daily basis is creating data, right? So like, and so basically what ends up happening is all that data is collected and then you need to do something with it. Mainly people are using it to look for trends or there might be, um, you know, either trends or um, just like outliers of some kind. Basically, you're looking at data and analyzing. You A lot of times you have a question that you want to answer. Um, sometimes not necessarily, and you'll find out things that you didn't that you didn't know. But basically it all, really it all boils down to an algorithm. So, which is basically a set of instructions based on a data set. So you'll analyze the data and then you'll be able to answer some kind of a question. You know, you can, and so basically the main, uh, the main things that people would think of would be like, you can create an app for something or, you know, obviously software. Um, but in general, you know, it, it, it will help your processes. It will lead you to, you know, hopefully to cures, for example, in medicine. So, um, and, you know, another thing that I like to explain to people is, so algorithms, the best way to describe an algorithm is, so like when you're on the internet or, and particularly Facebook, Facebook uses a lot of algorithms. So all those ads that you see that pop up, those are algorithms that are specifically targeting your d data, basically. All the things that you're looking at on the internet or like when you order something, if you've noticed, if you, like you start doing research to order, you, you, maybe you want to get a car. So you start looking at cars on the internet and then the next thing you know, you get all these ads that are popping up. Those are algorithms and it's basically machine learning. The, the machine is literally learning your, you know, what you like and what you want. So it's, I mean, even though a lot of people don't understand it, we are all truly affected by it every day. No, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, I've never thought of it, but totally on social media and yep. the ads, that makes a lot of sense. We have a lot of data with how much time we spend on the internet. Yep. So that's a great way to put it. Mm -hmm. uh, so do you have, do, with your role with QLSI, are, do you primarily like go and actually interview the scientists that are conducting the research and then translate that into content? Or what is kind of that process of how you get your content out to the public? Usually what I'll do is start with um, a bio. You know, I'll have somebody give me a bio or I'll look up their bio and then um, and then I have them describe what is their, um, you know, what is their research. And then I just look at it and just try to kind of boil it down and condense it into parts that I can understand. And so, like if you look on the website, there's, um, we have a scroll that goes through that um, there's probably six or seven, maybe eight people on there. Um, and that's kind of what I did with them. And same way with the newsletter, I will use the information that I'm given and then just kind of try to 
condense it down. When you came to QLSI, did what were all these the social media presence was that there when you came here, or how has that like developed since you um, come into this role? Well, that's interesting too. Um, we there was uh, definitely had a website which has completely changed. Um, the actually the university changed their system, so we had to switch over, um, and. Um, really we, we have the website and Twitter. We don't, we don't use Facebook. We don't have enough really going on, um, on a day-to-day -day basis for that. Twitter was, there was a Twitter account and I think, I think the person before me had just started it and hadn't really taken it anywhere because there were no followers, but you know, we, we've, we've upped that quite a bit. I think, gosh, I think there's some, maybe a couple thousand followers now. And it's always exciting because you can see, I don't know if you tweet, if you a little, if you're I'm, on I'm Twitter. Getting, yeah, I highly it. recommend it. It's it's basically Twitter is basically um, it, it was supposed to be kind of a professional, you know, avenue. Mm -hmm. And really it is. I mean, other people you can use it for whatever you want, but you can also narrow down your focus and follow what you want. So, you know, I'm following data science and whatnot. And in the beginning it was really fun to see um, oh, the vice chancellor's following us. I would yell to the next room, yay, you've got another follower. So that's been fun. Is uh, establishing a pretty um, solid social media presence uh, a piece of advice you would give for future or aspiring science communicators? Yes, definitely. Most definitely. Um, it's just, it's growing. Um, it's, I, you know, social media is always going to be around. Um, and, and honestly, that's how a lot of people now get their information. It's a great, it's a great way to see what's going on. And then also a great way also to get things out to promote and disseminate. So yes, definitely. And Twitter would be, I would highly recommend Twitter and you know, like, um, you can do Facebook and, and of course, obviously the website, Facebook is, is fun. And then Twitter is a little bit more serious. So if, when you combine the two, you get a really good combination. Mm -hmm. So, and then, you know, there's other, people use other forms of social media to um, Snapchat and whatnot. But the two big ones, of course, as most people know, Facebook and Twitter, but they've been very helpful in my job. Do you have any advice for those who might have had like Twitter since they were like in middle school or something, how they can kind of transition uh, their Twitter account, which might be a little bit more personal or have like funny memes and stuff like that into a more professional account? Well, you know, you can actually have multiple accounts. So, um, and I have um, my work account, which like I said, is, is data science related. And then I have a personal Twitter account, which is for um, climate, I'm a climate activist. So um, climate change. So I follow all the news on climate change. And, you know, you can even do several, um, which, which is sometimes helpful. If you have um, several different areas that you're interested in or maybe that you're reporting on, you can have different feeds um, or different actual accounts, which is really very helpful. Yeah, and what's great is, uh, I know we were talking about this earlier, uh, the access to technology that we all have. So if there's something going on at your campus, like, you don't have to have a specific job or be in a specific role to go take a video of it, you know, and like post a little news yep. article about it or something. Yep, exactly. I mean, exactly. And it's funny because, 
to me, I always think of cell phones as little computers in our <laughs> pockets because it's true, you know, and, and you can, and you know, the, it's so easy to tweet from your phone, you know, just like Facebook, you know, you can tweet. So you, anywhere you are, whatever you're doing, you can be a voice. Uh, so we're talking a lot about social media, but do you see anything as like kind of the up and coming, like new frontier for science communicators, or would you still encourage um, aspiring science communicators to really dive into like Twitter and Facebook and all those things? Well, definitely um, dive into what we've got now and just always, just always be watching what's on the horizon. Uh, one thing that does come to mind, which some journalists may or may not end up getting involved in, but drone technology mm -hmm. is really big. Um, you can get a lot of, you know, you can get a lot of footage. Those drones can go places where people can't go, where it's too dangerous, you know, after earthquakes or fires and, and whatnot. So that's, that's something that's really starting to take off too. Yeah. Is that, super fun. that technology. Yeah. yeah. And it's fun uh -huh. to, to fly those around. So yeah. Uh, so for those that are interested in this type of career, uh, can you give a little bit of an insight of what your week-to-week -week, like schedule looks like or what your days are filled with? Well, for the most part, like I said, um, a lot of it is, is administration. I do, <clears throat> when we have speakers that are coming in or the conferences, um, I help plan those and coordinate those. So we've got to get venues and food and travel for speakers and whatnot. And then... Um, we have our the big data report, which is our newsletter that comes out quarterly. So I will collect things as we go from from issue to issue, um, and then we we also do our activity report, which is basically, you know, kind of a yearly look at what's what's gone on. And so, and I work actually with students too in the complex biosystems uh, program. We do you know um, recruiting and then orientation. Um, and I like to also um, send out information to them, stuff that I find on Twitter, a lot of it. I will actually email them. But generally, I'm just, I kind of just do what needs to be done on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Do you have a highlight or what's your favorite part about your job or couple? I know sometimes it's hard yeah, to narrow well, it down. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, and of course, you know, being in journalism, I do like the, the social media mm -hmm. aspect of it. I love working on the website. Um, and I love doing the newsletters and Twitter. I have to say, I'm, I'm on Twitter every day and, you know, I monitor what's going on at UNL mm -hmm. and I pass along other information, um, you know, from other departments and also, you know, throughout not just the country, but the world on, you know, different things that are going on and data science related. So I would have to say Twitter yeah. is probably my, um, crowning glory or yeah well and I, I have a lot it. of I have a lot of friends that you know we don't we might not have access to cable or something like that so like how we get the news is right primarily through Twitter you know Facebook as you said is more of like a personal type thing like yeah. more personal local stories but Twitter right. is like where you get kind of the big news pieces and right. know what's going on so and that's true I actually um I have to say for the last year I won't go into details but <laughs> I haven't been watching a lot of news I just I it's just too much for me. And so really Twitter has been a really good resource for me, even personally, like I said, with my personal account, I mean, I can, it's, it's like, it's like getting the information without all the noise, mm -hmm. you know, without all the commercials, without all the sound bites playing over and over mm -hmm. again, 
you know, you have it there. I think probably the other thing that I would that I would tell aspiring journalists in in any field also is which, you know, they are taught, but always check your sources. Like even when I see something on Facebook, I will go and look it up myself and not just look at one, you know, one site, but several or papers or books or whatever it is. Um, that would, that's a big, that's a big piece of advice. I think that's, you know, that's been true in journalism from day one and it's still true today, especially with the amount of information that we have out there. So, yeah, I know that when I took my writing class last semester, the biggest thing that we talked about really the whole entire time, uh, was the trust component. And mm -hmm. so, you know, get, getting verifiable sources and then right. your role as a communicator is to make sure that that information that you're passing along is true to the yep. best of your knowledge. Yep. So the, that's some great pieces. Those are some great pieces of advice. Kind of a more, I guess, philosophical question maybe. Um, so big picture, how do you hope that your content like impacts people? Or what do you hope happens like when they read uh, your content? Science is so important. It's the basis of everything. Everything we do, everything we have every advance that we've made, you know, on the roads, in, in medicine, in agriculture, you know, it's all based in science. So my hope when I, um, you know, for example, um, with our students, their graduate students, it's a graduate program, um, I pass along information to them hoping that they will get something out of that. Um, you know, they're the smart ones. So if you can, if you can, Take this and run with it, go, you know, mm -hmm. and just in general, I can reach that. one person, then, you know, even if you don't know it, mm -hmm. if you've reached one person, then your job really is complete because really whenever you, um, you know, you might reach one person and then they might reach one person and then they might reach one person. So, you know, it, it, it's got a ripple effect. So oh, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. That was beautifully, yeah. beautifully put. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so for our audience members uh, that are tuning in, can you tell us uh, where they can go uh, to keep up with the research at QLSI um, or to follow you on social media? <laughs> so we actually are on the web at uh, UNL Big Data. And um, pretty much anything that you want to do is... Um, if you wanted to follow Twitter, there's a, we have a Twitter feed right on the homepage and then you can, um, you can, you can contact us in, in a number of ways. So, and then we, um, try to keep the, um, website, you know, events. I keep all the past events and whatnot. So awesome. there's a lot of information on the website. Uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to add or anything that you felt we missed? Well, you know what? One thing that I missed that I wanted to tell you about was um, one of the things that we do um, as um, to, like I said, to get, to get other people involved, um, specifically students involved. Um, we do an undergraduate uh, data-thon. Actually, we call it Datapalooza. Uh -huh. um, and so you, you might have heard of, they started out, they called them hackathons. And people didn't really like that term because of the word hack, which is basically, you know, well, hacking is usually when you're getting into some place where you're not supposed to be. But anyway, so now they call them Data Fest and Datathon. Um, we had one in November, and we're having another one um, actually in April. So, and we team up with the American uh, uh, 
Statistics Association, ASA, um, and this time around Mutual of Omaha is also sponsoring. So, and that's basically um, teams of undergraduate students from any area um, sign up, you know, you sign up in teams and then you don't know the, usually you don't know the data set, the data that you're going to be working with until you get there. So it's a fair yeah. playing field. Yeah. Um, and then they just, um, they go through and they, um, and there's graduate students to help. I, of course, am not one <laughs> of them, but they, um, you know, they'll help. And so basically by the end of it, um, and it's usually a, like a two day event, you know, a, you know, you go, you go strong for two days. And then at the end of it, um, what results do you have? What, what can you take away from your results? So they present, and it's a really fun time. So and we do that. We're we've been doing that annually. Cool. And I I think you mentioned it, but can you tell us again how uh, students here can sign up for that, or where they should go to get the information about it? Yeah. Um. So in April, uh, we're having another one. Um, which maybe by this time. But anyway, um, we always promote it. So um, you know, you can if you follow us on Twitter. Uh, I always tweet, um, and then we'll have information on the website um, in our newsletter. You can sign up for the newsletter if you like. Um, we also try um, to promote, you know, like with the uh, UNL Today um, and see if they'll pick up the stories. Um, and then we, we, we just tell different departments. So sure. a lot of it is um, word of mouth, but, um, but you can, if you follow, you know, you can, you'll know when one's coming up. Yeah, awesome. So. I think that would be a really terrific experience. So yeah. thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, and thanks again for being with us today. It was awesome to hear your insight. Well, thank you very much. It was fun. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Streaming Science. As always, it was an absolute pleasure sharing the phenomenal research being done right here at UNL. Be sure to catch the next episode at streamingscience.com, and don't be afraid to give us a shout out on Twitter or Facebook. Until next time.